0: Welcome to Outwit Outplay Out Pod, the podcast where fire takes represent your life. I'm Isaac. I'm Kayla. And we're here to talk about Survivor Season 45, Episode 10, How Am I the Mobsta? Kayla, the tribe has spoken, but we have not. What is your fire take from this week's episode?
1: My fire take is that the narrative created in this episode, the feelings felt, the tears wept. I loved every moment of it. I typically hate knowing pretty much anything about our castaways' backstories. I really could say I typically don't care. Um, But the love that they have for each other and their loved ones really shined through and it made me feel a little misty. So good job, Survivor producers, for making me feel something.
0: (laughs) What a wholesome fire take. My goodness. Lovely. The pathos was giving this episode. My fire take is that Ponderosa needs to make its comeback and it needs to do not as a YouTube series but in the middle of these episodes. The more we're getting these, you know, shots of the jury on the jury bench at tribal council, the more I want to know what they're thinking. What are the vibes? We've got Bruce heading to Ponderosa. How is that going to go down? What's the confrontation going to be like with Kelly? That's just straight up good TV and CBS is leaving it on the table. So, I want in the middle, smack dab in the middle of each episode, post merge, a little checking in on Ponderosa's segment, and I think it would make for some great television.
1: You want a Ponderosa segment, and you don't want a TikTok series. Say more.
0: A TikTok series uh, that you can't you can't tell a fulsome, wholesome, satisfying story about Survivor and TikTok style clips, in my opinion. Maybe your generation uh, resonates a little bit more in that approach. <laughs>
1: I'm going to go ahead and tell the fans that we're the same age. (laughs) I just want everyone to know that. Don't let the marriage fool you. (laughs) We are the same age. (laughs) I'm older. I'm
0: older. (laughs) It is true that I'm older. Um, Anyway, Kayla, I should say welcome back. We had a special co-host featuring Filling Your Shoes last week, but it's nice to hear your voice on the podcast once again.
1: I am happy to be back. Julia did a phenomenal, perfect, lovely job. I was absolutely tickled to hear you two do your episode because the energies, I've told my co-host this before, are just so similar. I can't say you sound the same, and I can't say it's the word choice, but the way you both make me feel while listening to the pod, it is the same. Like you are one side of the same coin. Um, and I'm very happy I got to have this experience and I shake the boat a little for our listeners. I also said this podcast is very chaotic. I think in contrast when I'm here (laughs) to when Julia was here. So thank you listeners for bearing with us. Really with me. I also want to take this time to begin a light roasting of my co-host Isaac. So Isaac was silly enough this week (laughs) to send me his top podcast of the year. You will be excited to hear listeners that Outwit Outplay Outpod was in the two out of five spot. Should it have been number one? Yes, but I'm going to chalk that up to like number of episodes we put out and not quality. We just didn't have the numbers to get into that number one slot. If Outwit Outplay Outpod made it into your Spotify top podcast of the year, please let us know. I would love to have that little bit of knowledge Send it to us at pod at gmail.com. Thank you so much. Um, But I just want to briefly talk about the other podcasts that made the rest of the four slots of Isaac's my top podcast.
0: You're going to roast my podcast and probably not reveal your own. I just don't think that's very fair.
1: I'll make a, I'll disclose something at the end of my roasting that I think will make you feel a little better. So in the number five spot, ladies and gentlemen, we have Greetings Adventures, a Dungeons and Dragons podcast. Isaac, do you have anything you'd like to say about your number five slot?
0: If you're looking for camaraderie, fantasy, and adventure, what better podcast? Listeners, go check them out. Thanks for the plug, Kayla.
1: Okay. Do you play Dungeons and Dragons? And if so, how often?
0: I never have. I one time bought a starter kit and I was ready to be the dungeon master, which I think is my role. Let's be honest. I'm not going to sully myself by being an adventurer. I would make the adventure. Um, and so I was at the starting line, but it never actually happened. So no, I've never played Dungeons and Dragons.
1: You are simply a listener of the game. Simply you do a, not play. A, fan. a
0: spectator. <laughs> just a
1: fan. Okay. In the fourth spot. In fact, what I believe to be his most criminal choice, the five thirty eight politics oh. podcast.
0: No, no, no. This one, Come this on. one. The listeners, the listeners need context on this. I hate listen to five thirty eight politics podcast. Like Nate, that's Silver, sorry what we all say,
1: Isaac. We don't believe you. Are,
0: you. <laughs> oh no, 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 no. Nate's ask anyone I talk about politics with. Nate Silver is the top of my villains list. If I'm on a treadmill and I want to run faster by tapping into some sort of angry adrenaline, I listen to the 538 Politics podcast. Galen Druk, I'm kind of a fan. I like the guy. Um, but everything that 538 is, uh, I do not, I actually do not enjoy. So uh, it's important to have some context to why that's in the number four slot. That's all I'll say.
1: Hate listening can get you into the number four slot. If you are producing a podcast, remember that as you're plotting out your editorial calendar for 2024. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to lump one and three together as they are both golfing podcasts in the number three, No Laying Up, I golf podcast. I don't know what that means, but I'm assuming it's a pun. Please explain the pun to the non-golf playing listeners.
0: I really don't know why we're talking about this on this podcast, but <laughs> no, no laying up refers to the fact that sometimes when you're playing golf, you have a decision about whether you want to go for the green, get the ball all the way there. Or lay up, which means going shorter the green so you have a better chance of making it on your next shot. So no laying up is a reference to like just go full send all the time. And that is a golf news podcast is what that's about.
1: And last, Chasing Scratch, also a golf podcast. I'm going to go ahead and guess. I've heard the scratch thing before. Is scratching when, let's see. Scratching. Is scratching when... Get a um, a hole in one. Is that another word for scratch? No, I <laughs> think scratching,
0: <Isaac> is <laughs> scratching is not a verb. If you're a scratch golfer, <gasps> it means that you're so good at golf that, like, you shoot par when you go out on a golf course. Like, if you're supposed to get around the golf course in seventy shots, typically it's going to take you 70 shots to get around that golf course. It means you're a very good golfer, not quite a professional, but a very, very good golfer indeed. And they're chasing scratch. So they're trying to become scratch golfers, which I can dream. I can dream.
1: And listeners that is Isaac's (laughs) stuff 2023. I personally really enjoyed this segment. I was waiting all week for it. I will say we can't do this with me because I unfortunately don't. Um, I'm not a spot. I'm not a Spotify subscriber. Sorry, Apple Podcast doesn't give out the same data. And every year when people are posting their Spotify unwrapped, I simply can't participate. So is what it is. I'm also not subscribed to any other music services. So I think that's my um probably
0: my most toxic treat. Man, I thought I was going to get a little treat after you rake me over the coals, but all we get is that you don't have a podcast top five. Great. All right, folks. Well, if you've made it this far into the podcast, congratulations. Uh, we're going to talk about Survivor now. Coming up, we're going to break down the week's episode, gavel in another edition of Mock Tribal, and end with our favorite segment, Survivors on the Move. Kayla, shall we dive into the recap? Run it. So after tribal, Jake feels like he's dodged another bullet and finally has friends in this game. But Mama Julie is losing sleep over betraying Kendra and Kelly. The lies are weighing heavy on her soul. Drew even gets a little teary talking to Mama J. And Emily starts exploring the possibility of turning on Reba while Bruce begins to beta test a lie that he in fact gave his idol to Kelly who walked out with it in her pocket. Katura isn't buying it. Bruce comes clean but Jake, Jake may seem to buy it. At the reward challenge, the castaways compete for a Thanksgiving-style feast and a sleepover at the sanctuary. After a crawling, untying, ball-mazing competition, Emily bests Austin down the stretch, earning an emotional victory. Her mates had promised to take her on the reward if they had won, which only made it more satisfying to earn it herself. Jeff reveals that the reward will include letters from home, and Emily ends up bringing along Julie... Katura and D Kayla. I wanted to open by talking about Bruce's little scheme, which like falls flat on its face later in the episode. What what is he thinking? Why is he telling lies? Like if he ever had any credibility, it it vanished once again.
1: My first thought was Brooke. Oh my God. What's his name? Bruce was being thick. T H I C K, which is never the thick you want to be. You always want to be thick. Two C's. Um, and so I just feel, yes, he's nodding. Great. Um, I just feel we're very late in the game. D said it best. I honestly don't have much to add besides you should have said this days ago. <laughs> and to randomly start saying this now after you spent so much time speaking about your idol, just as the rubber is hitting the road, is actually bananas. And the fact that fast forward, some of the boys were like, oh my God, like his idol's gone. Let's change our whole strategy. I literally was like, are you dumb? Are you okay? Why do you believe this? And I think the reason they believed it was because he was not the messenger of that fact. I actually think having folks play telephone about that made it much more reasonable than if Bruce, who we all know and love to be kind of a schemer, was there looking you in your face. You might've been like, "Eh, maybe not.
0: Yeah. I was going to say the same exact thing. The only good thing about it was the fact that he had the self-awareness to know that it would not be credible coming from him. (laughs) And Jake sort of getting it out there was a reasonable way to try and circulate it. I also wanted to talk about reward decisions, which this is the highest stake reward decisions for who you Uh. want to bring along because of the letters from home. Um, I guess, what did you make of Emily's choices here? And she kind of justifies each one too, which I thought was interesting.
1: I've been thinking a lot about this selection, yeah. And okay, I think part of it, and I might be projecting onto Emily because she does not think like this, but will come into my mind is: Do I really want to be at this overnight with like Drew and Jake? Mm.
0: Yeah, <sighs> fair. It <is> an overnight. <laughs> like That's perhaps, a good
1: point. right? Is like. I don't know. I'm like, do I want to spend that much time with just us in this um, little wooden structure? Like, that's a little close for comfort. Um, So I think choosing the girls was fun. You make it a little fun girly night. Like, I think you're just setting yourself up for a better, spicier, more wonderful evening. I don't think that went into Emily's decision making. I think she chose Mama jay because she really was having a terrible night i think she also identifies her as a member of the reba tribe who is the weakest link but didn't want to choose austin or um drew in case like their she doesn't know where their alliance is going so she's like might as well try and pick off the weakest reba member and have that as kind of a backup plan. And if anything, all you can say is, oh, I'm getting in deeper with what I perceive to be your majority alliance is like what you could say to Drew and Austin. So I was like, great, smart, perfect. Um. When she chose Katora, I was as shocked as Katora was, to be honest, because yeah. given two episodes ago, I did not perceive Emily to be a girl's girl as she busted the all girls alliance. And I have not forgotten. Um. So I thought it could go in any number of directions. Um, The Couture choice. Fine. I don't really think it does anything for her. To me, they're playing like separate games, but their games are dovetailing nicely. Like, I don't think they view themselves as interconnected or have been really playing together in any meaningful way. But they haven't made any choices to really harm the other one at this point, I feel like. And then D... I think we just went with the all girls alliance at this point. That really threw me. What do you think about it?
0: Yeah, I think once she'd gotten through Julian and Couture, it was like, let's make it a girls night. I don't exactly. think was a strategic reason. <laughs> the thing I think she did correctly, which I would also do is don't pick your out alliance members for these rewards. Like one, you sort of out your own alliance to everyone. And two, you don't, you don't need to shore up the relationships there because you already have good ones. So I think that was the right call. I think that these reward decisions are all about finding some objective criteria, whether it's your real reason or not, and just being very <laughs> consistent to it. For me, I think bringing parents is just the right call. I just like, we need parents to know that their Do kids you? are okay. I, I, I think Do so. I, I, I think it's a reasonable and defensible <laughs> perspective. On. You know, everyone's relationships are different. Obviously we get a sense that Keturah obviously has a very complicated relationship with her mother. Um, But I think that you want to just like some outside of the game reason to justify why you did what you did. So people aren't thinking you're being very Machiavellian. Ultimately with this crew, it doesn't seem like the kind to take this really personally. Drew is very emotional as Emily is making her decisions, but not in a way where I was really worried. Yeah. I wasn't worried that Drew was going to like hate Emily or something like that. He just was like, this is emotional. It's a very tough decision, no matter who has the power to make it. So, I was I was fine with her choices.
1: Who would you have chosen if you were Emily?
0: Um I let's see, that's a good question. I would have chosen Julie. I think that was probably the easiest call. Um I think Julie Ketura, honestly, now that I'm looking at it, I think I would have chosen her. And maybe Jake. Then you have one Reba, but you also have options to form deeper connections with people who would need to be your numbers if you wanted to sort of pull a move on Reba. I think, and I think isolating Julie with a couple of non-Rebas might make Julie start to think a little, because she might feel like she's on the bottom of that Reba, of that Reba 4. I think she has a lot of justification. They haven't really gone with her plans when she makes suggestions of who to vote out. Um, so yeah, uh, close to Emily, but just with the Jake tweak. Um Yeah, to keep it on Mama J, how do you think your moral compass would fare under the pressures of having to lie to people in Survivor? Would you have a breakdown at some point along the way if you felt like you were betraying people who really trusted you?
1: No. I will say I can dish it out and can't take it. So if I got (laughs) voted out by people I perceive to be my friends, oh, I'd be boohooing. I'd be like, I can't believe she lied to me. Like... We were braiding each other's hair and telling little secrets. Oh, I wouldn't take it well. I would be a wreck because I'm a Cancer Moon Cancer Rising. Like, just a big softie. But would I have any issues throwing anybody under the bus? Absolutely not. Good seeing you. Wipe your tears with the $200 I could throw you once I win the Millie.
0: Yeah. Fair enough. I'm not sure if I would struggle with it, honestly. I feel like it's kind of something you might learn about yourself on the show. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? I think she took the wrong thing too far,
1: though. Like, I really believe that she views these, essentially, children as her children. (laughs) And I do think it's hard when there's that big of an age gap and you do have children. There's no way you don't start kind of mapping your children to these other young people, as opposed to, like, I don't think as much young people map that same kind of emotional feeling onto older folks for example I feel in the workplace often whether this is like good or not or people should be reported to HR people will be like oh you remind me so much of my daughter in like xyz way and like I've never heard a young person be like oh you're just like my mom like I've never heard anyone say that interesting you don't seem sold the look on your face doesn't seem sold
0: Oh, sorry. I thought we were transitioning to a transition music. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Keep this in. Keep this in, <laughs> producer Isaac.
0: <laughs> Part two of the recap. So at the sanctuary, the ladies are feasting and drinking wine. Emily revels in her victory and Keturah continues to go hard after Bruce. That includes informing everyone of his lie about Kelly walking out with his idol. They open letters from home and we get an emotional montage with many tears shed. Emily is sad to be missing her and her boyfriend's move into their new house, but she's also careful to mention that they might get married one day, but she's not making any promises. I thought that was a classic Emily there that was Julie's really- family <laughs> that was awesome. I loved it. I wonder how the boyfriend's just feeling as they like watch that together on their new couch. Uh, Julie's family calls her a hero for her professional and personal journey post-divorce and Dee gets spiritual encouragement from her dad. Keturah had cut off contact with her mom a year ago. So when she gets her letter, she's feeling a lot of conflicting emotions. Her letter says, you don't need to find an idol. You're my idol. And Keturah tells the audience that my true life story is literally all sad, but I'm not going to win if I think about all my sad stuff. Pretty poignant quote there. Meanwhile, back at camp, we've got ourselves a good old-fashioned boys' day. I'm talking bro and out, guys being dudes. We get a mo- montage of men with machetes, muscles, fist bumps, carrying heavy logs, flexing biceps, talking about bacon and stuff. Drew is doing his best to fit in. There's a great scene where he's, like, washing dishes in the ocean as everyone else <laughs> is talking. Austin catches himself some fish. Bruce tries briefly. They talk a little strategy. He tries to pitch D's name. And, Drake and Jake actually ends up spreading the Bruce losing his idol story to Drew, just as Bruce had planned. However, reunited back at camp, Emily is a busy bee. She exposes Bruce's idol light to Drew, and in a bid to earn his jury vote, tells Jake that he is once again the likely backup vote. Jake pitches voting out Drew, doesn't get any bites, and Drew gets wind of it. He confronts Jake, who shuts it down with a, I think our conversation is done. Drew calls him a mobster, then he calls him a goon. Jake says, okay, I'm a goon, but what's a goon to a goblin? Shout out Lil Wayne. And the castaways head off to an immunity challenge. Kayla, your thoughts?
1: shout out little Wayne is actually sending me right now um let's start with Gatora's letter so I thought that was beautifully done I do think there's a black producer on the show because they could have like gone into the letter and made you talk about all your childhood trauma and this and that and number one I really felt she's like I'm never gonna win Survivor if I like think about all the sad shit and I feel that as a NAACP or, like, civil rights lawyer, Isaac, please fill in for the listeners wherever this is. She actually works. You got it. Um, You got it. As a major civil rights attorney, you can't possibly ascend to such heights without, like, holding pieces of yourself back and people i think are always like well you can be your whole self and it's like that's a very privileged position to like be your whole self and so i think her saying this is probably i do not know katora but if i had to guess would be something that she's employed and has gotten her far and i really like the producers weren't like oh yeah talk about it on national television especially given like all of your colleagues and folks would still like probably see it. And then you'd have to be like accountable for that in the real world. And I felt that was like really well done uh, on their team. And so I'm assuming the black woman was there because obviously.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I thought it was fairly sensitively handled. The only thing that I'll add is I'm curious what the sort of behind the scenes interactions were. Katura does mention that she had made a decision, obviously painful and difficult one to cut her mother out of her life then she is put in the position of reading a letter from her mother. One wonders how that sort of worked out, but uh, it's certainly a lot that Katura is carrying from that point forward and maybe something that has some consequences given her reaction to the immunity challenge a little bit later on. Um, <laughs> Kayla, uh, in the outline, you've asked me this essential question. How would you fare at boys' day? Uh, let's see. Shall I answer? Um you know, I can, <laughs> uh, you know, am I going to be a more of a Drew and en- I'm, I'm going to be more of a Drew energy than a Bruce energy probably, but I can mix it up with the guys. Like I can ham it up. Like for me, it's, it's going to be a bit of a shtick, right? Like it's going to be kind of satire, like a masculinity satire. It's going to be a little performative, <laughs> um, but I have fun. I know how to have fun. I can talk about bacon and, you know, whack and shitty, so I would fare like, like, like a B plus, I think a B plus.
1: Okay. I was going to ask for a rating B plus. That's very good. Strong performance. Yeah. Yeah,
0: sure. Uh, the mobster showdown here. I, more of this on survivor, please. Like angry confrontations. Like we, we just need more of this. Like it should get out more often that this person is going for you. And then you just go up to that person. And you're like, what the hell? Like I want more of that sort of emotionally charged interaction. So it is isn't all sort of dry strategy. Um, you, you, your ruling is that Jake won the title here, Kayla? Yeah. I think that's fair. <laughs> no further comment.
1: <laughs> I'm just going to let that hang in. Yeah, I think this Drew, this is a wonderful example of condition but can't take it, where yeah. he has been gunning for Jake the whole time, and Jake was like, How dare you? How do you have the audacity to step to me in this moment where you and everybody else have been openly gunning for me this entire time? And the one time I suggest that now that it's gotten to such a small group, it may be one of you, like, and now you're throwing a fit. And Jake wasn't having it. And also, I knew that he won the episode title before I even watched the episode because yeah, I just heard it in yeah. his voice. I was like, this oh my, is the mobster. It.
0: <laughs> it was great. It was one of the best sound bites of the season. I'm glad they used it for the title. Um, and yeah, you know, I just wish Jake was a little bit more persuasive on the island because I feel like he could have used a data point like this to pitch Drew as a name that should have been at risk during this challenge uh, during, during tribal council, because like anytime someone gets on their high horse, that's always like a great thing to like expose them to potential risks. So unfortunately drew drew again is never considered as someone they should vote out. It drives me crazy. I think that he's one of the bigger threats physically and
1: figuratively in the game. i watched the Amanda show.
0: Uh, probably like once or twice. I, I'm I'm familiar.
1: Does bring in the dancing lobsters mean anything to you?
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm familiar with that soundbite. Is that listeners? Jake?
1: Please write in if you have a much stronger touch point <laughs> with the Amanda Show that might Michael- <laughs> go.
0: Last leg of the recap. So at the immunity challenge, the castaways have to lie on a steep ramp above the water, supporting themselves with handholds. A few minutes in, Katura says she's really in her head about the water, and with Jeff's blessing, she ends up stepping off onto the platform rather than falling in the sea. Jake calls Jeff on his BS claim that this challenge is a game you'd find at a carnival. Agreed. I was thinking the same exact thing, Jake. And you have to wonder if D's big toes are helpful here. They do give us a few glamour shots of the feet, but it ends up being an Austin-Bruce showdown. And Austin wins this time, finally. Katura is still nervous about swimming to the boats, and Jeff says, if you want, you can swan dive into the ocean, which represents your greatest fear, surrounded by the camaraderie and community of your tribe mates, swimming in slow motion as the music swells in the background, but no pressure. She swims out. Back at camp, Bruce makes it clear he's going to play his idol. Jake seems like the probable ricochet, but Katura pitches voting out Mama J because you can't beat someone at Final Tribal who everyone calls Mama. Emily shares that plan with Bruce, not because she's down, but in a long-shot attempt to make Bruce feel safe enough not to play his idol. Jake gets emotional on the beach, tired of being lied to, and gets a couple pep talks from his tribe mates. At Tribal, Jake talks about lawyer-imposter syndrome. Katura, who actually is a lawyer and being an imposter about it, nods in agreement. Mama J gets emotional about betraying Kendra and Kelly, and based on body language, it doesn't seem to win her any points with the jury. And for some reason, Bruce does not play his idol. Jeff reads three votes for Jake, one vote for Mama J, and four votes for Bruce, so Bruce goes home. Kayla, what'd you think about this last leg? And I know I included a lot in there. We started with the immunity challenge. So I will bring up one point about the immunity challenge. I don't know if you've noticed this. Everyone apologizes to their competitors for dropping out. Like people are like, sorry guys, I can't anymore. And then they leave. What's
1: going on? Was there a reward on the line that we didn't know about?
0: It literally made it seem like that. I just, it's, it's like uh, out of politeness or something, like y'all like have to take it from here. Uh, anyway, that just kind of annoyed me. Also, but. we're
1: not quitting. Like I just couldn't hold down the thing anymore. That's just actually how the challenge
0: is. Yeah, goes. that's like, that oh, is the mechanics of the challenge. Um, So there's a lot to talk about here. One thing I wanted to talk about, like eight people is a very essential because when you go to eight from eight to seven, at seven, there's going to be a four vote majority, Right. And we know that there is a Reba Four who are a tight alliance. Like, no one has any illusions about that. It's out in the open. It really just boggles my mind that not only is Bruce voted out, the ricochet would have been Jake. Like, the only two people being contemplated are two people who are going to be outside the numbers once this gets down to seven. Did, Did this make, like, was this
1: frustrating to you? Um, slow blinks. No, they just seem so solid. Nowhere in the episodes leading up to this has it ever seemed like for one moment they were not a solid four. And so I think at that point, you start to focus on possibilities that don't require breaking up the solid four that you just don't think will happen. Because all, to Emily's point, She's like, if I try to expose this and I, it doesn't work out for me, all that happens is I'm next. Like, I think they're too strong. I think they're too powerful. I think they actually have significant social relationships around camp that make people um, really believe that their alliance is more than alliance. And it's, in fact, a friendship. And also, we got an interesting nugget earlier in the episode where they were kind of like, who's running the re before?" Like, they have no idea. They don't even know. That's how um, good they're doing at acting like it's a democracy and that they're all just, like, some good friends who happen to run votes every week.
0: Yeah. I, I just... I, I appreciate that people might not see a chink in the armor with reba 4. I just think that this is the point of the game where you just have to take a risk and and make an effort. Like, I don't understand what... like. I've seen on the Reddits a lot of people giving Emily credit for convincing Bruce, making him feel safe enough not to play his idol and it just I'm hesitant to play her to give her credit because yeah, she succeeded in executing that move. It's so clearly the wrong move, like Emily does not have the numbers, and maybe I'll be proven wrong, and Reba member is gonna swap next episode, and I'll look stupid, but I just the idea that Bruce and Jake are at the top of your threat list with eight people left in the game is like so ludicrous to me. I can't even, I don't even understand it. Well, Kayla, <laughs> let's gavel in another edition of Mock Tribal. If you don't already know, Mock Tribal is when your typically agreeable hosts spit fire and spare no feelings as we disagree on a survivor subject of some controversy. Kayla, what's on the docket this week?
1: On the docket, is right? Would Julie be a big threat at final Tribal? There's only one right answer. It's yes.
0: I, the answer is no. I'm glad we dis- we disagree about this. We didn't plan this out of time.
1: You think no?
0: Okay. You go first. So, yeah. So so first piece of evidence here. When Julie starts like kind of crying and becoming emotional at Tribal, they pan to the jury. And Kendra like literally rolls her eyes and Kelly shakes her head. And I think that something that you could be quite confident in in the new era of Survivor is that the jury wants you to own your actions and they are not here for crocodile tears about how you voted someone out, but you felt bad about it. And I kind of get it. Like you have to take responsibility for the action you took. And if you spend your sort of precious time at tribal council talking about how you felt bad about it, then people are just going to be like, okay, so you got rid of me. You felt bad about it. Am I supposed to reward you for an action that part of you regrets? Like, to me, it's it's not the move. But please, convince me otherwise. I'd love to hear it.
1: I think it just has to feel genuine to your character. Typically, I'm anti-crocodile tears. But Julie, I really think she her sleep was like not where it needed to be because of these actions. I do think she genuinely felt bad, And if the people around camp know you to be... Okay, I guess this is my point. I agree with you that perhaps this was not the right audience for the tears. Like, I think Kelly and Kendra were not the right audience. But I think her, even if it is a performance, her performance at camp was golden. Because everyone at camp still knows you to be this kind of person and so it feels authentic. It feels like this is actually keeping you up at night. And when they make it to the jury, they have this information and can like populate it organically amongst the other folks at Ponderosa. And enough time will have passed since they've been voted out that they actually might be susceptible to like feeling that Julie's just this like really empathetic character who then let's run to the end, make some cutthroat decisions and comes out on top for her. And also, kind of played like the first half of her game as empathetically as she could.
0: Yeah, I just I don't know if people give points for empathy in this era when you were still the villain who Me. was responsible for voting them out. I don't. I, I think that if if you took had, if you made cutthroat moves, be cutthroat in your presentation, and people res- will respect the consistency more than they will you saying you sort of regret it or feel bad about it agree to disagree on this one i think we should track this as this is a pretty significant rift in our sort of survivor philosophy so i think that this will come up again and again and be a bit of a theme on the podcast all right folks well now it's time for our favorite segment survivors on the move kayla whose stock is rising for you this week
1: up this week oh my god we have the same answers as i can see it in the outline but <laughs> rising this week is reba generally just because they've managed to take over the game with the majority like you did have a point there so yeah they are in they fact running uh running this game right now and i have to give them i have to give it to them the person whose stock is falling I'm gonna have to give it to Jake. I don't even know if you can call it falling anymore, but it's definitely not rising. I feel like he gave that really stirring speech like three quarters of the way into the episode where he's like, I'm not a dead dog anymore. I have a new lease on life in this game. But I think all that's gonna be is that he's gonna be the goat that somebody makes his third. I'm now like very confident that Jake will be the goat that somebody takes to be third because this I hope so. is just sad at this point and there's no point yeah. in voting him out anymore
0: a hundred percent yeah i agree with you on Reba's stock moving up obviously on the jake thing like let's look at what happened this episode bruce got voted out jake was the planned ricochet vote the only reason jake didn't go home is because emily convinced bruce not to play as idol like he didn't go home. He could take no credit for the fact that he didn't go home. And he also didn't make any moves to try to target Reba successfully. He gave up on that rather quick. So yeah, Jake is down. I'm also going to say Emily is down. I, I just think that the to- the ship has sailed for Emily to make her move to challenge the Reba four. And she's just going to be going home. Like, And I don't think anyone's going to want to bring Emily to the finals. I think the sort of I survived no. Lulu story would be a pretty compelling one at final tribal. So I don't see I Emily's path to the end, I think is is closing pretty fast. All right, folks. Well, let's do a little bit of a check-in on our points update. Kayla, of course, we have to reserve a little bit of time here at the end for me to have my own gloat session. After you gloated oh. that Kelly, <laughs> my pick to become Soul survivor, was voted out last week. This week, we have Kendra, your pick to be Soul survivor, going home. So folks, your co-hosts don't know too much about this game after all. Uh, <laughs> as far as the standings go, No one earned any points this week. So Kayla, you're still in the lead with six points. I am chasing with four. There is a lot of game yet to be played and we have pretty similar folks remaining in the game from this point. So I think it's going to be a tight race down the stretch.
1: I want to win so bad.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be exciting. I, I wonder what the odds are. We both had Drew going home ninth. Um, and we have pretty different, I guess, roads from this point forward. So, so just to look ahead, folks, um, you know, next episode, I had predicted Kendra would go home then, uh, Kayla had Emily going home. Um, so yeah, root for Emily going home if you're team Kayla on the pod, but we'll see. We'll see. All right, folks. Well, that is going to be all from us this week. If you want to share your fire takes, shoot us an email at a pod at gmail.com. we love to read those on the podcast. And if you're enjoying our show, spread the word. Tell a friend about us and rate us on your favorite podcasting app. We really appreciate it. We'll be back next week to talk about the next episode of Survivor Season 45. But until then, the tribe has spoken, and so have we.